Well, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I certainly had a wonderful time, you know. I, uh, as we begin this morning, I, I'd just like us to think a second about Thanksgiving. And, you know, I've had kind of a, a linear experience. I don't know what else to say. A consistent experience. Um, every year I can go home to my parents' house. And every year when I go home to my parents' house, uh, we all have a good time. And we have great and it's fun, right? We have a good time. It's every year. And, and so I've never really experienced this, but let me, let me tell you a story, and it's not directly about Thanksgiving, but I think you could probably relate. I heard of a story of a family. I don't know them. They, they had kids. They had kids of their own. So husband and wife, and they had kids. And they had one adopted child. And apparently, they had two sets of rules in their house. The rules for all the biological kids, and then they had the rule for the adopted child. So, who had to do the most chores? The adopted child. And that kid had to grow up their whole life knowing they were a second-rate citizen and their family. So when they went home for Thanksgiving, what was it like? It wasn't like what it's like for me. Right? I, I don't know how bad it was. I don't know how good it was necessarily. But I'm sure they knew their whole life that they were not one of, the, one of the special ones. And so maybe some of you have had different experiences with me. Maybe, maybe you've gone to an in-laws. And when you went to your in-laws, it was pretty clear you weren't part of the family. Now, I've always gotten along with my in-laws fine. I go, I hang out, it only takes a day or two, no problem, I can do anything for a day or two, get along with them fine, we argue about stuff, I play games on my phone and my nieces and nephews watch me, it's a great time, right? But some of you, and maybe it was, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't just whatever for a day and, you know, talk to your father-in-law about whatever, it was, maybe it was like, yeah, I'm not, I clearly don't belong here, they don't, they don't want me here. And if you've ever had that experience, maybe even it's even worse. Maybe you actually went to your own home. Boy, it didn't even seem like they wanted you there. You know, the, the, you fight all the time. Thanksgiving's a stinky time where you don't want it to happen. They talk about so many suicides happening during the holidays because holidays don't bring back good memories. They bring back terrible memories. You know, it's so wonderful to be able to have the opportunity to be able to go somewhere and be able to say, this is my home and I belong here and I'm one of the family. You know, we've been talking about in Acts how in Judaism, the Gentiles were not a part of the family. And we're transitioning into the time when the Gentiles do get to be a part of the family. And I'm just going to remind us, just for a second, how not part of the family they were. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, starting in verse 1, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it, so this is God telling Israel what they're supposed to do when they go into the promised land, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, 
seven nations more numerous and mightier than yourselves. When they go in, there's going to be all these nations there. What are they supposed to do? And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. Gentiles were on the other team. And not only would Israel not have liked the Gentiles, they probably had a special place in their heart that they didn't really like the Romans. So, you know, the Romans did a lot of good things, you know, the aqueducts and whatnot, so they, you know, the roads and such, they did, did a lot of positive things. But I just want to imagine this. Another country comes to your country. They defeat your country's army. They come to your door and say, oh, those taxes you are paying, let's double those. And not only are they not going to build the roads that you live on, they're not going to help with the water that you drink. They're not even, we're not even going to give to the poor people in your town. We're not even going to pay the corrupt politicians in your city. We're going to send those back to Rome. You would really, really hate those people. I mean, just imagine, I'm just going to pick a, pick a country. Imagine the Dominican Republic, which I don't think this has probably happened. Just imagine the Dominican Republic comes, they, 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 they take over the United States and they start charging us taxes. And then we pay all of our taxes to the Dominican Republic and the Dominican Republic, this island country, becomes just incredibly wealthy and strong. And we just say, man, I really don't like the Dominican Republic, right? We would just really not like them. So not only is Israel supposed to be going into the promised land, they're supposed to be taking over everyone, they're supposed to show no mercy. Now they have lost to some of these Gentiles, and these Gentiles are extracting taxes from them, which they are sending back home. This would have been the situation when Cornelius came to Peter. Cornelius worked for who? He was a Roman soldier. He'd have been like the Dominican Republic soldier, whose job it was to keep you in line, to extract taxes from you, to send them off to some other island somewhere, to not help you one bit. So Cornelius and Peter were having this exchange. They had, they had come. Cornelius had sent people to Peter. Peter had come back with these people, and he comes and he speaks to them when he had come. And he says this. So, so Peter opened his mouth and said... Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. I, I mean, if we wanted to, we could just talk about this the rest of the time. This is not talking about there are consequences for your actions. The negative ones have negative consequences or the, the positive ones have positive consequences. This is purely, guess what? If you were a Gentile, you were on the other team, and now God sends this, you know, this dream to Peter, this vision. The sheep comes down. The animals come down. He is telling them that is no more. You know, it's so funny. I think sometimes we about convince ourselves we're Jewish. We read the Old Testament, 
And we think that we somehow, like, are the descendants of the Jews. Sorry, if Jesus never came, guess who we are in the story? We're always the bad guys. I mean, maybe some, someone here is Jewish, and I don't know it, but... But we kind of we try to adopt and think that we're, oh yeah, Solomon, he's like my great uncle. No, I don't think he is. Like David is either. But when Jesus came, the church begins, it does not matter whether Solomon's your great uncle or not. No longer matters. I remember growing up in Blair. I didn't really grow up in Blair. I, I played some basketball and some baseball and you know, t-ball and all the little kids' sports in Blair. But I, I homeschooled, and my dad worked in Blair. But we went to high school in Omaha. Omaha's the big town. And I remember talking to my dad and, about Blair. And I, in junior high, I had grown. I was like six through. I was like big as I am now in seventh grade. Everyone thought I was going to be really good, and boy, were they wrong. But I, I played on the junior high Blair team. And I was the best player in all of Blair for junior high. They had an A team. They had a B team. Guess which team I played on? The B team. I was not only better than all the players on the B team, I was better than all the players on the A team. But guess what? I didn't go to the Blair schools. I was homeschooled. No A-team for me. My dad would tell me, he goes, it's almost like in fourth grade, you knew who the starters on the Blair basketball team were going to be. All you had to do was know who their dads were. And you would know who was going to be the starters on the team. This idea of not showing partiality, we do it so much. I've talked about the group mentality before. It's just like, man, we just show partiality over total arbitrary reasons. You're wearing glasses? Let me come up with a terrible nickname for you. You're short, like we all decided how tall we were going to be. You're bald. <coughs> we just create these divisions and we show partiality. We will adopt children and then not treat them the same way as we would treat the rest of our kids. This is such an incredible revelation when Peter realizes in the dream, the vision that he has, and he comes and he says to these Gentile people, I now know that there is no partiality with God. Not that there's no consequences for sin. It's not that there's no, no rewards for doing what's right or whatever. But there is no more, hey, you're born short, so sorry. There's no more, you were born as a Gentile and not a Jew, sorry. And, and of course, even that's not even completely true. You could still become a proselyte and still get saved and go to heaven and whatnot. It's not like the Gentiles were outside of God's plan of salvation. But there was definitely a division. There was a line there. And this line is gone. Verse 35, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. 
you know, we, we have these maps, you know. You ever meet someone who's really into maps? I'm not one of them, but some people have them, right? It's so cool, you know. They, we draw these lines on a map, and, it, and they matter, right? Suddenly they really matter, right? I'm not suggesting we don't have countries. There's reason for countries. Like, I'm not suggesting we, you know, throw down the system and suddenly don't have countries or, or we don't have you know, borders anymore. But it's just kind of funny to look at history, right? The line gets drawn, and then it gets redrawn, and then it gets redrawn, and it gets redrawn. You know, like the Holy Roman Empire. Have you ever heard the joke about the Holy Roman Empire? By the end of the Holy Roman Empire, it wasn't holy. It wasn't in Rome. There was no Romans. And it wasn't an empire, you know. The Holy Roman Empire is, is like a small country by the end of it. We make these lines, you know. But amongst Christians, there are no lines. When we say, are you a brother or sister of Christ, these lines we've had to draw for human purposes, for countries and whatnot, like I said, I'm not suggesting we get rid of them all. I'm just, I'm just saying these lines, as amongst Christians, do not matter. Do not matter. So the person comes from Haiti or whatever, you pick the country, and says, I'm a Christian, that first, of course, there's, you know, to get a green card to come on, I'm not saying they don't, they don't, they don't have rules. I'm just saying that amongst Christians, our first concern is not, are you an American? Our first concern you're a Christian. These are the lines that separate. We have to not let our human reasons for separating from each other go before this idea that in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, the church has done, I don't want to be all angry, we've done some really good job on some of this stuff. The missions that we've done as Christians trying to go to other people's the giving we've done, you know, the church has done some really, really good things. When Israel was here and he talked about how thankful he was when the missionary, I think it was from Kentucky, came to Trinidad and we witnessed to them, that was a big part of their family becoming saved. We've done some really, really good stuff too, right? We've really, really done some good stuff too. We ought to continue to remember how important it is that Christianity is something in which there's no partiality. No one that has some sort of special access, someone else does not. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. So what was the message that God sent to Israel? That through Jesus, it was the good news. It was the gospel. The gospel breaks borders. The gospel breaks down political walls. It breaks down Racial walls, it breaks down. Gender walls, these things do not matter when it comes to our access to the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. So he starts, he references John the Baptist and what he did. This is the beginning, this is where it all began. You've heard about it. He goes on, more history, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, his baptism, Jesus of Nazareth, you know, the, the story that happened at his baptism. He went about doing good 
and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So when he was not only demonstrated, when he was appointed by God as a baptism, but what he did throughout his life indicated he had truly had power. He did these miracles. He was the Son of God. And we are witnesses of all that he did. We saw it. But Peter saw it. He was there, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. We saw what he did amongst the Jews. We saw what he did in the capital city, the Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. See, Peter has come to this new group of people, these Gentiles, these, these Romans. And he's recounting to them the good news the gospel. You know, you think to yourself, if I wanted to summarize the gospel in a pretty short story, and I didn't have all day, and I couldn't talk about it all, I'm not going to talk about propitiation or anything. Well, how am I going to tell the story? You know, Peter gives a nice summary here, doesn't he? Jesus Christ, he came, he was anointed at his baptism, he did miracles, we know he's the son of God, and we watched him do it. We were witnesses to it. And what did they do to him? They killed him on a tree. And then it goes on. But God raised him from the, on the third day and made him to appear. So what happens? He dies on a tree. He rises again and he appears to us. This is the message of the gospel that I think can unite the world together. It has to be voluntary. The message is not, here's this gun, and I'm going to shoot it unless you really agree with this message. It's not, if you would like to vote in this community, then you need to say you're a Christian and be baptized. This is not the message that will unite us together. We've, we've tried, that. tried that. Some of the colonies in the 13 colonies, you couldn't vote unless you'd been in for baptized. Didn't work. Islam sometimes tries to do it by sword, and Christianity has tried the same. This is not a message of coercion, but this is a message that if we all accept, if we all come to faith and trust in Christ, the things that divide us, we can come together and rally around. You know, so oftentimes we have, we have things we're really upset about and we'll get really excited about it. Oh, this bad thing happened and I'm, I'm upset about it. But you know what then what happens? We fix that bad thing. We create like sometimes like a giant organization around that thing. And that thing's fixed. What happens to that giant organization? They usually make up something else to do. But this is the inherent problem. I would actually argue, you guys probably don't know or care about this, there's this, there's this group, the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches where I went to college. One of the problems that I think they have. They separated from the American Baptists in the early 1900s over liberalism. So they separated from the American Baptists over liberalism. They thought what the American Baptists were doing. So actually the five fundamentals of the faith, some of you have heard of these, they have five fundamentals. They say these things we will not compromise on. It was like the virgin birth, the literal return of Christ, the inerrancy of scripture, and a couple more. And so they were like, these things we will not compromise on. So when they thought there was too much compromise, they separated. And then they were really marked by the rest of their entire history of, we don't do these things. We don't do these things. 
You know, it gets to be a little hard to rally around. We don't do these things. You know, we can't be marked by what we're, just what we're against. We have to be marked by what we are for. And we, as believers, should be for the gospel. This is our main concern. We want people to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on in the story, not, all, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So he appears, so there's witnesses to people, not only of the miracles they did to prove he's the son of God, they also saw him afterwards. There were witnesses of his resurrection. They ate and drank with him, meaning this wasn't some kind of spiritual resurrection or some sort of metaphorical resurrection. It's a physical resurrection. He actually raised from the dead. In the way you and I would think of it, you know, he is actually alive when he was dead. Before you could touch him, he ate, he drank. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God be the judge of the living and the dead. You know, when Peter talks about, okay, so I'm giving you the gospel, and then this is what Jesus wanted us to do after he was gone, what does he say? And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify of Jesus. You know, sometimes organizations lose their way. They do a lot of great things. They help people. They help people in a lot of ways. Maybe they help people's physical needs, which is a really important thing. Got to have that, I think. But sometimes organizations can kind of forget the main thing. You, know, you say you got to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is the gospel. And the point at which you are helping people, but the gospel is no longer what's out front and center, you've lost your way. Was Jesus worried about the poor? Sure. Of course he was. Was Jesus worried about other things? Of course he was. Of course he was. Of course he was. But we need to keep the main thing the main thing. What he commanded Peter and the other disciples to do after he raised, after he was testified that he had risen from the dead, was he, they were to go to preach the people, to, the fest, to testify that he was the one appointed by God. Jesus Christ is going to be the judge of the living and the dead. We have to let people know. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What a one, just in like 10, 15 verses. The whole story. You know, sometimes you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I can tell the gospel. It only, took, it only took Peter 10, 15 verses. Every time someone says, well, if I knew how to share the gospel, then I would. That sounds like me when I claim I don't know how to use the vacuum cleaner. I just, I just understood this thing a little bit better. Maybe I vacuum. How about you show me? 
right? That's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's me. And we're like that with the gospel. Oh, I, I, I could share the gospel, but I'm just, I'm just not sure I know how. I'm just not sure I've got a good technique. I don't have a system. I haven't memorized the right plan yet. Until I get that plan memorized, can't share. Can't share. You know my silly vacuum story works even better for other things. Like, cook this. I can't cook anything. How about you show me this one time, right? We laugh and we say how silly it would be for me to do that. Oh, we do it all the time. It's... It's not my spiritual gift. Did Jesus say, for all those who are gifted in evangelism, you should share the gospel? For all those of you who are talented at it, I, I, don't, I don't see any of this here. 10, 15 verses. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness, sins through his name. The opportunity to be free from our sins is just a short message away, and we should be giving that message. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, even to the Gentiles. After all the Jews had seen, they had seen someone raised from the dead. You'd think that would be like pretty shocking. I mean, you already believe in the resurrection of the dead. You already believe in the virgin birth. They still just could not believe that they would ever be on equal footing with the Gentiles. They were still amazed when the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. You know, I hope this is, I hope this has never happened to you. So maybe a few of you, this has personally happened. I, I hope not. Maybe there's some of you, and, and for those of for those of not, try to imagine. Just try to imagine. I go home for Thanksgiving. I go home for Christmas. And the rest of the people don't want me there. Every year. I go home. They wish I wouldn't have come. They wish I would have come. Every year. You know how much that would hurt? You know, so when you become an adult... You think, I'm not going to worry about my parents anymore. We are crazy. We keep caring about what our parents think long after we should, probably. Right? Still care. We still care. And to think every year, the holidays come around, one big, solid rejection. And this is why. Imagine with me. Imagine. The rest of your siblings were really good at math, they became engineers. And you weren't good at math. And you became an artist. And 
every year when you go home. Every year. They don't want you there. They talk engineering. They talk numbers and math and bridge building. And you like get made fun of because all you do is paint pretty pictures. Every year, every year, the pain. When Peter finally brought this message to the Gentiles, it was like this. Do you imagine going home one day and your parents saying, we were stupid about all that art stuff. We don't care. None of that matters. We're all the same. Like your whole life you'd have just been waiting. Then the fact that you weren't any good at math doesn't matter. Suddenly, God says, born a Jew, born a Gentile, it doesn't matter. You know, at one point when the well, slavery's been around a long time, we know more about the American because, because it's us. It happened to us. It's been going on forever. So we're not the only ones that did it. But you can go to the old churches and Black community, they had to, they had never seating place. They, they had to sit in the balcony. They weren't welcome to sit with everyone else. Can you imagine what it would have meant to say, that's all garbage. God shows no partiality. For they were hearing from them speaking in tongues and extolling God. They blessed by the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They had all the blessings, all the advantages, all the things that come with becoming a part of God's family. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? I mean, if God has decided, God is the one that sent the Holy Spirit, how can we hold baptism from them? Because you know what? You would have wanted to. Well, you guys are new. You guys are new. You haven't been in this long. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe in a few months we'll let you get years or centuries or you know whatever we can do here. But Peter makes an observation that should be plain as day. If God has accepted you, how can we reject you? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. You know, as we get ready for communion today, I, I just want us to think. As we take the bread, as we take the, take the cup. Maybe you have a great family. Maybe your family's not so great. Maybe you get along great. Maybe you don't. But you know what? There's a family where the head of that family shows no partiality. And the father in that family, the, the grand poobah of them all, he cares about you just as much as he cares about any one of us. He loves each of us. And no matter what happens, no matter whether things go right or wrong with our family, 
we will always have our church family. And we're not going to be so great all the time. But that Father in heaven, he's always right on target. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much that, that you don't show partiality. We have such a hard time not doing it. Such a hard time. And we just thank you that even though we don't get it right all the time, that we can always come to you. That we can know that you will not show partiality. That you have decided that you love each and every one of us. But we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.